Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. Once again, it's good to be back, and we'll resume our series in James called Genuine Faith. Uh, We finished chapter 2 last time I was here, so we'll be in chapter 3 today. I want to talk to you about transforming the tongue. Like, uh, Like Devin said, no one can tame the tongue, but God can transform the tongue when He changes our heart. There's an interesting story. There's five different versions that appear in Greek literature about a, uh, a well-known uh, Jewish rabbi that uh, asked his servant to go to the market and buy some good food for him. And so the servant returned from the market and presented the rabbi with a tongue. The next day, the rabbi told the servant to go to the market and buy some bad food. And again, the servant returned with a tongue. When the rabbi asked the servant why he brought a tongue both times, the servant made this observation. He said, good comes from it and bad comes from it. When the tongue is good, there's nothing better. And when the tongue is bad, there is nothing worse. And that is so true. Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. I like an old saying from Benjamin Franklin. He says, a slip of the foot you may soon recover, but a slip of the tongue you may never get over. Isn't that true? You know that little saying we said as kids, sticks and stones may break my bones, but your words will never hurt me. That's not true. I know that's not true. You know that's not true. Many of us have had things Uh, told or said, and when they hit you, they hit you and they hurt. And so we're going to talk about the power of the tongue. We're going to talk about the dangers of it, and we're going to talk about how God can transform the tongue. In, In the book of James, James has a lot to say about our speech and about our words. He he wants Uh, us to know that God has something to say about that because he was writing to a people that had a problem, you know, controlling their tongues. Uh, That that great story in Isaiah chapter 6 where he goes into the temple and sees, you know, the, the glory of God. He says, woe to me, I am a man of what? Unclean lips, right? Unclean lips. And so that is all of us. In James chapter 1, I want to give you a quick overview of how James deals with speech and the tongue. In James 1, 19, he says, My dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. In verse 26 of that same chapter, he says, If anyone thinks he's religious without controlling his tongue, his religion is useless and he deceives himself. So you can be a religious person, and yet you can still have problems with the tongue. In James chapter 2, verse 12, it says to speak and act as those who are to be judged by the law of freedom. Not just how we act, but the words that we say. And then in James 4, verse 1, What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? And then, of course, James 4, 11, Don't criticize one another, brothers and sisters. Anyone who defames or judges a fellow believer defames and judges the law. If you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. 
And then that brings us to where we are today, James chapter 3, verse 1. And just look at verse 1 for a moment and let it, let it hit all of us. It says, Not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. You know, I, I'm so thankful for every teacher we have in our church. We've really got some really good Sunday school teachers in our congregation I don't think I'm telling you anything you don't know, but it's, you know, this is something I don't talk about very often. And I want to say, I think we've got some really good Sunday school teachers in our church. Uh, they, uh, they take their responsibility seriously. Many of them have been doing it for several years. And I think that's one thing that Pleasant Hill has been blessed with is good Sunday school teachers. So let me just say right out the gate, I'm thankful for every single one of you. Now, when we look at Scripture, Scripture tells us that not many of you should become teachers. And he's not talking about the school system, because I know a lot of you do that as a calling and a career. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is in the context of gospel ministry, in the context of the local church, not many should become teachers, my brothers. And he said he anticipates the why. He says, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. You know, uh, the more responsibility we have, uh, the more accountable to God we will be for what we do. And so uh, teachers are going to be held accountable uh, because they need to rightly divide the word of God and point people to the truth and lead them to Jesus Christ. If a, if a teacher is uh, more focused on gossip than the gospel, then that's obviously a problem. And so that's why he says that here. But then throwing out this grave warning to, to the congregation, he then says, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's mature, able also to control the whole body. Um, then he says, now, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies. And consider ships, though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. And so he begins to talk about the tongue. Um, when I think about the power of the tongue, I'm reminded of the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 12. He says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will have to uh, give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words, you'll be acquitted and by your words, you will be condemned. So now we're not just talking about teachers. Now we're talking about everybody. Jesus is saying everybody's going to have to give an account to God someday for every careless word they speak. And uh, that leads me to the point of this message today. And that is, let's look at some principles uh, that we need to follow in order to please God with our speech. And there are three principles I want to show you this morning. The first one is consider the tongue's direction. Consider the tongue's direction. Notice in verse 3 and 4, he says, Now if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we direct their whole bodies. And consider ships, though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. In other words, God uses something small 
to channel the energy of a horse to go forward and the, 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 the rider can, can use that, that bit to, to, to train him which way he wants him to go. And so it is with the pilot of a ship. With that small rudder, he can control the direction of, of this vessel. And so consider the tongue's direction. My question to you and I would be, which way are your words leading you? Which way are your words taking you? I'm reminded of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. Have you ever thought about the power of your words? Words can be powerful. Here we have the bit uh, in the horse's mouth, uh, mouth and the rudder of the ship. Both are small, but they exercise great power. Both must overcome contrary forces. Both must be under the control of a steady, strong hand. And both have the power to affect the lives of others. There's a quote I found the other day. It says, only a word of anger but it wounded one sensitive heart. Only a word of sharp reproach, but it made the teardrops start. Only a hasty, thoughtless word, sarcastic and unkind, but it darkened the day before so bright and left a sting behind. Only a word of kindness, but it lightened one heart of its grief. Only a word of sympathy, but it brought one soul relief. Only a word of gentle cheer, but it flooded with radiant light. The pathway that seemed so dark before, and it made the day more bright. There is a difference in our words. Our words either have the power of life or they have the power of death. Proverbs says the power of life and death is in the tongue. And what we say matters and how we use our speech to, to lead people and direct people matters. Notice this is something that we all struggle with. Even Isaiah the prophet, when he had that encounter with the Lord, he says, Woe, I am a man of unclean lips, among a people of unclean lips. And James reminds us in verse 2 that we all stumble in many ways. Whether it's leaders, whether it's teachers, whether it's church members, our mouth can get us in all kinds of trouble. Amen? Or oh me, right? I can remember when we were in school. You remember Valentine's Day, Danny? Our school did something uh, on Valentine's Day where all the, uh, all the boys in the school were given... It was, it was a little red heart. It was uh, cut out of construction paper, just a little red heart with one of those straight pins. And you put it on your jeans or you put it on your shirt. And that was given in first period on Valentine's Day at the school. And there was a couple of goals. If you were a guy, you did not want to say a word to any female whatsoever for any reason, and you keep your heart. However, if you said any word of any kind for any reason to any girl, right, she got your heart. And the goal for the girls was to see how many hearts they could have by the end of the day. Some of the pretty cheerleaders always had it going all the way down their leg and then on this leg and then, you know, several hearts here on their shirt. And it was a contest to see who could get the most hearts. And I can remember after a couple of failed attempts two years in a row, 
I think it was the third year I'm like, I've got this. I'm not saying a word to anybody. I don't care if it's a guy that says, hey, Corey, I'm not falling for that trick. I'm not saying a word. Zip it up. I did it, but I waited till the last period and somebody kept bugging me, bugging me, bugging me. And to make a point, I finally said, I guess you can have it now. But, you know, here's the thing. It takes self-control, does it not? When you decide that you're not going to say anything or you're not going to say anything bad or you're not going to do this or you're not going to do that, once you begin to focus on it, you know, we begin to realize, you know, how hard it can be, how, how much of a struggle it can be. And no wonder David in the Psalm 141 said, Lord, set up a guard for my mouth. Keep watch the door of my lips. And I would say to you and I today that we have to watch our words because of the direction they lead other people. That's one principle you see here in the book of James. But there's a second principle at work. Not only should we consider the tongue's direction, we should consider the tongue's destruction. Look, if you will, in James 3, verse 5. So too... Though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how a small fire sets ablaze a large forest, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among our members. It stains the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish is tamed and has been tamed by humankind. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Man, what an, what an outlook on that, right? Uh, think of all the things that mankind has tamed. You know, wild Horses, wild stallions, all of these uh, animals, even, you know, a lion tamer, right? I mean, you, you've got all of these, uh, you know, these snake handlers that do their little charm thing. You've got all of these different animals and creatures that have been tamed by mankind. But there's one thing that we can't tame, and that is the tongue. Even now, such a small thing in our mouths can get us in a whole lot of big trouble. He says, no one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil. It is full of deadly poison. But not only is it poisonous, he says there in verse 6, the tongue is a fire. It's kind of interesting that it says the tongue is a fire. Because what did God do when he saved us? One of the first things he wanted to do was use our tongue to tell others about Jesus. Amen? And isn't it cool that when you go back and look at the history of the tongue, you go back to the beginning of Genesis, you will find that we used our mouths to get in trouble to start with, right? We ate the one thing God told us not to. And then, and then when, you know, even after, even after, think about this, even after Noah, we've been studying the life of Noah on Wednesday night. You know, God, God got uh, so grieved at the, uh, the, the evilness of the world that, that in the days of Noah, he decided to judge the world with a flood and start over with Noah and his family, eight people. And you would think, okay, wiping the slate clean, we're going to have godly people, we're going to repopulate the earth, everything will be good. 
And by the time you get a couple chapters after that, after Noah and the flood and the water recedes, what happens? The Tower of Babel. You remember that story? The Tower of Babel. Mankind comes together and wants to build a tower all the way to the heavens. They want to be their own God. And the Tower of the Babel story, what does God do? God confuses the people and that's why we have all these different languages today. Then you fast forward to the New Testament and on the day of Pentecost when uh, the Holy Spirit comes and preaches the first sermon and the church is born, what happens? The Holy Spirit comes and these tongues of fire descend on believers. But this is a a godly fire. This is a, a heavenly fire. And now people are indwelt by the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. And now God wants to use their tongue to share the gospel with people and tell them about Jesus. That's God's purpose and plan ultimately for the tongue. But without Christ coming into our life, without, without you know, us being yielded to the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, we need to realize the, the tongue's direction and where it takes us. And we need to realize the tongue's destruction. It is like a fire. You know, and when I think of fire, I can't help but think of one of the first, one of the worst fires in the history of our nation. And that's the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. If you like history, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know history, check this out. In the year 1871, a fire broke out in the city of Chicago. It happened on October 8th, and it went through the 9th and the 10th of October. So it happened... On this day, October 8th, legend has it that a cow kicked over a lantern in a barn and started the fire. Other theories are that uh, humans or even a meteor might have been responsible for the event. But at any rate, here's how bad the devastation and destruction were. It was an area of about four miles long. Now, now keep in mind, we're not talking 2023. We're not talking 1973. We're talking... 1871, okay? 1871, a four-mile-long stretch, almost a mile wide of the city, was completely in ruins because it all burned up. The Great Chicago Fire left an estimated 300 people dead and 100,000 others homeless. 100,000 people homeless. More than 17,000 structures were destroyed and damages were estimated at $200 million. And that was in 1871. There's no telling how much that would cost today. That was the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. It shows the the devastation and the destruction of fire. And this is what James is comparing the tongue to. It's like a fire. A fire is great in the fireplace. But when fire is just rampant and spreading, it's a very destructive thing. Now the rest of the story is there was an evangelist, Dwight L. Moody, who was from Chicago. And he was preaching to a gathering of 2,500 people on that very Sunday night, October the 8th, in his hometown. His sermon centered on one key question that Pilate asked Jesus in Matthew 27. He said, What then shall I do 
with Jesus who is called Christ. Or I should say it's when Pilate asked the crowd, what shall I do then with the one called Christ? Moody challenged those that were gathered that evening to spend the week considering the evidence that Jesus is the Savior of the world and returned the very next Sunday to give a verdict. And that very night is when the great fire of Chicago began. Moody wondered how many people who heard him preach that night, may have perished in the fire. He called it one of his biggest regrets in life because he preached the gospel, but he didn't give an invitation. Now you know why I'm so convicted about giving an invitation every time I preach the Word of God. Because if you're going to be a doer of the Word and not just a hearer, you've got to say, hey, what must I do? What must I do to respond to God? D.L. Moody, in his own words, said, I want to tell you of the one lesson I learned that night. When I preach, I press Christ upon the people then and there. And I try to bring them to a decision on the spot. I would rather have that right hand cut off than to give an audience a week to decide what to do with Jesus. You know, as I tell our leaders here at church, everyone has two buckets One has water and one has fuel. And whenever you encounter a problem or an issue with people, you make the decision what bucket you're going to use. Are you going to put out a fire using water or are you going to fuel the flame with fuel? I want to tell you, we all will be accountable to God by how we handle things. And so I want to encourage you to consider the tongue's direction, consider the tongue's destruction And make sure you use God's wisdom. A third principle we see with our speech is to consider the tongue's deception. Look, if you will, in Romans 3, or excuse me, James 3, verse 9. With the tongue, James says, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in God's likeness. Isn't that ironic? Blessing. And cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers and sisters, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt water spring yield fresh water. I think the issue here is, is our speech consistent? Does our walk and our talk match? Notice there are three illustrations that James uses. They're all rhetorical questions. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water? Of course it doesn't. You can't have two different things come from the same source. Can a fig tree produce olives? Of course not. An olive tree produces olives. A fig tree produces figs. Can a grapevine produce figs? Here's what I'm trying to say. You ever see somebody speak out of both sides of their mouth? I love what um, uh, John Maxwell used to share in his leadership uh, speeches. He would talk about the importance of letting your words mean what they say. And he talked about how this, uh, this leader had two people that came to him and they were frustrated with each other. And so each one had their time uh, with, with him. And the first person brought their case, and he's listening to him, and he goes, you're so right, you're so right, you're so right. Then the second person 
that's coming from the other side of this disagreement. They come to this man and they talk to him. And what does he say? You're Sarai. You're Sarai. You're Sarai. Well, after they both leave, the, you know, his associate comes to him and says, now, wait a minute. You know, they both can't be right. You know, one's wrong and one's right. He looks at him and he goes, you're Sarai. You're Sarai. You know, many times we just want to tell people what they want to hear and we can do this and we can do that. But speech demands that we have integrity, that we say what we mean and we mean what we say and we don't talk out of both sides of our mouth. I'm reminded of what Jesus said in His Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. He says, Be on your guard against false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravaging wolves. You'll recognize them by their fruit. And look what He says about fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? And it's rhetorical. Of course not. In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, neither can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that doesn't produce good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire, and so you'll recognize them by their fruit." Ladies and gentlemen, you and I are going to be known to other people by what we say and what we do. And what we say and what we do matters. Are our lives a picture of integrity? Are our lives a picture of godliness? And know that everything that we say and everything we do will one day be held in account before a holy, righteous, just, and perfect God. I don't know about you, but that makes me bristle a little bit. That makes me realize it doesn't matter what other people think. It has everything to do with what does God think. And that is the one that I want to live my life for. As someone said, I want to live my life for an audience of one, and that one is Jesus Christ. I want to share one more passage with you before I close this morning. It's in Matthew chapter 12. Jesus went on and talked more about the tree being good or bad and its fruit. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 33, Jesus said, Either make the tree good and its fruit will be good, or make the tree bad and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you speak good things when you're evil? For the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. A good person produces good things from his storeroom of good, and an evil person produces evil things from his storeroom of evil. I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. You see... Jesus taught it's not what goes into a man that makes him unclean, it's what comes out. And the mouth is connected to the heart. And whatever is in the heart is ultimately going to come out the mouth. Isn't that right? And so you and I need to realize that even though we might think we have a speech problem, even though we might struggle with our words, ultimately it's a heart issue. And so we can't tame the tongue because we can't change our hearts. But God can transform our tongues. Why? 
because he changes the heart. And out of the heart, the mouth speaks. I want to encourage you today. Do you know the Lord? Have you surrendered your life to Him? Are you allowing Him to use your tongue to praise Him and to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with others? You know, that's the best thing that we could ever say to anybody, and it has lasting, eternal impact. Think about that. Of all the things that we could say to other people, there's nothing better than we can say than the good news about Jesus Christ and what He's done for you and what He's done for me and what He can do for them. Those words are words of life. But not just life, they're words of eternal life. And they can change someone else's life. And you can have such a rich legacy when you get to heaven when you see how God used your words to point others to Him. And the words went in the right direction. And they weren't destructive. And they weren't deceptive. Man, I can't think of a better way to live, can you? Let's all stand. Musicians, if you will come. Ushers, if you will come. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time to study your word. Father, I pray that we would honor you not just with our lips, but Lord, we would honor you with our lives. Lord, I pray that we would come before you right now with our whole heart. And Lord, I pray if there's someone here today that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that today would be that day where they would put their trust and faith in you. And Father, you would have your will and your way in their life today and every day. Father, we want to do your will. Lord, we want to be a people that's been transformed. We no longer have unclean lips. Lord, we've got changed hearts that leads to changed lives. And Lord, we'll be that witness and we'll be that light in the world that shares the love of God and speaks the words of truth that can change people's lives and give you all the glory and praise. Father, have your will in your way in this service. Have your will in your way in this time of invitation. In Jesus' name I pray. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.